Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, in whom we have in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance, until the redemption of the purchased possession, unto the praise of his glory. Good morning. We are thankful each one is here with us this morning. Uh, I did fail to mention to Chuck before the announcements that uh, because we do rotate our classes, that I'll be teaching the adult class on Sunday morning starting this coming Sunday. And so there is out on the table in the foyer a list of scriptures you can read each day. There's not that many, so don't panic. But uh, there are there is a list for Monday through Sunday that will help you. By reading those, you'll help you prepare for the class uh, on this coming Sunday, and so just bear that in mind. Uh, also, I think it's good to remind uh, one another that when we sing songs like In the Garden, when we read words like He walks with me and He talks with me, that that is not literal. We have to realize and remember that when we sing those songs that God talks to us today through the written word. Uh, it's not a literal thing. And sometimes if we're not careful, we need to, uh, we forget that. And so do remember that when we sing songs uh, such as that. But our lesson this morning comes from Ephesians chapter 1, as Brother Truck read for us, probably, probably one of the longest scripture readings I've ever given anybody up here, uh, verses 3 through 14 of Ephesians chapter 1. But in that section we find the blessings that we, we are talking about this morning. The blessings are in Him, the blessings... That are in Christ. And in verses 3 and following, we find, this is not uncommon throughout the Bible, of course, we find the phrase, in Him. And by using that phrase, in Him, it tells us that these blessings are not found anywhere else. He would not, if, if they were found somewhere else, it wouldn't say that, it wouldn't say in Him, they would say, 
you know, they were Babel in him, also other places, but it doesn't say that. It says in him, which means there's only one place where we can find uh, these blessings that we'll be talking about this morning. And so this morning I want to remind us where the best blessings can be found, and that is in Christ. One of the definitions of blessings, depending on your context and what you're looking at, uh, blessings can also be defined as benefits. Well, think about, think about this for a moment. Would you agree that in Christ are the best benefits? The, the world does not offer benefits like Christ does. You know, the world's benefits, so to speak, many times have a time frame, don't they? Sometimes they have a lovely waiting period. Sometimes those are as long as a year, depending on if you're talking about health insurance and things like that. There's various things of that that have a waiting period before you begin to enjoy their benefits. When you begin to enjoy the benefits of Christ, the moment you put him on in baptism. Is there ever a period in which those benefits run out? No. No, they remain. They continue on. So long as we are in him. So as we think about that this morning, we have to remember and be mindful as we think about you know, the world around us trying to show us that the best benefits are in it, which if we're honest, we know that is not the case. The best benefits are no doubt in Christ. We're going to start not in verse 3, but we'll come back to it. We're going to start instead about midway through here in verse 7 of Ephesians chapter, uh, chapter 1, looking at redemption and forgiveness that's only available in Christ. In Him we have redemption. Ephesians chapter 1, looking at the first part of verse 7, he says, Plainly in Him we have redemption through His blood. It doesn't just say that we have redemption, but we have it. How? Through His blood. So not only is it there, but it also, He also tells us how we obtain that redemption. Now redemption can, can be defined as liberation procured by the payment of a ransom. That is to say, you are set free because payment was made on your behalf. If you ever find yourself, and I want to put this out, there's just a general scenario because this happens all the time. To various people for various reasons, this is why the government wants to help people, and I'll leave it at that, at various times. And we feel better when we have someone who's able, we're thankful for those who are able to help us, for those maybe who we come and have some horrible problem come up and they help us overcome that, and we feel relieved, we feel freedom. Well, here's the same idea, but it's not something that can be somebody paid for with money. It's something that can be built or rebuilt or whatever it may be. But he says here, it is redemption, that is liberation, freedom, that is what obtained by the payment of a ransom. And where is that redemption? He says it is in him. And how do we have it? Through his blood. That's just a few, ver a few words there in verse 7. What is he telling us? How we can have our sins remitted and have freedom from them. Redemption. We are released from them. The payment has been made in him. How? Through his blood. What did we receive? Redemption. How many places for redemption are found? Only one. That is a theme that is found even in the Old Testament before Christ comes onto the scene, in a, at least in a physical way. Sometimes you hear people talk about maybe this is figurative of Christ. 
But regardless, in the Old Testament, where was redemption found? Where was hope found? In Him, but it was God, right? The Father, who would send His Son for ultimately true, or ultimately redemption and remittance of sin will be found. But God, in the Old Testament, we know was the uh, place where people went, and now we find not only does that continue, but here we find this being a reference to Christ. In Him we have redemption. We are released by the payment that was made on our behalf. We continue this thought looking at the latter part of verse 7 and looking at verse 8 together. We find in Him we thought we have the forgiveness of sins. Looking in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, the latter part of verse 7, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. The riches of His grace is referencing how much grace God has. He is what? He is rich in grace. Which means He has abundant grace. The grace is available to us. In fact, I've been a lesson on this before. I'm sure I've done it here by now. But talking about who is grace available to? The person who puts on Christ in baptism. And it's available to everyone. Why? Because God is rich in grace. He forgives his sins according to the riches of his grace. It is also by his grace, his mercy, that we have to forgive the sins. He says in verse 8, Which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence. Now, forgiveness can be defined in several different ways. One is release from bondage or imprisonment, similar to that of redemption. Another is forgiveness or pardon of sins, letting them go as if they had never been committed, remission of the penalty. Letting them go as if they've never been committed. Now, this is from Strong's. This isn't some from you know, Wikipedia or something. The idea is they will all release from those things, as if they've never been committed. Here people talk about the word justify, which means we describe it as just, as if I've never sinned. That's this concept we find here as well. It is by God's grace that mankind finds both redemption and forgiveness. And both are made known by wisdom and prudence, prudence being understanding of Him. If we want to have forgiveness, we have to know who God is. We have to know who His Son is. And then when we know who they are, we can find what they expect from us, and then we can obey, and then we find the redemption and the forgiveness of our sins. So much in just two verses, the Apostle Paul talking about here. The forgiveness of sins, the redemption we have in Christ, both only residing in Christ. Next, we're going to look at the mystery of His will and our uh, inheritance. I forgot I had this part on here. And our inheritance. Looking at verses 9 and 10 in Ephesians chapter 1. Having made known to us the mystery of His will, according to His good pleasure, which He purposed in Himself. Now, some people, they hear that word mystery, and they think, well, mystery, was it hidden? Does it mean we can't understand what it is? What is God's will for us? That we don't go to hell, and we have heaven as our home. The mystery there is a reference to the gospel. And for some, the only reason it's still a mystery is because they won't listen to it. The mystery of His will, according to His good pleasure, which He purposed in Himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of, of time, that is, when the proper time came, 
he might what? Gather together in one all things in Christ. Well, this goes right along with the in him phrases we continue to find in this text. Both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. So God has made known his will to man. He was, his will being the gospel, some call the will of his grace. His will being that the fullest, in the fullest of times, he gathered together all things in Christ. This time we know was prophesied in Daniel, in Daniel 2, verse 44. We know that came about in Acts chapter 2. In him we have what we have made known, the mystery of his will. He wants mankind to be saved, that mystery being the gospel, and it being revealed to us today. But his will, you could say, has never been hidden. His will has always been for mankind to run away from sin and run to him instead. Looking at verses 11 and 12 of Ephesians chapter 1, we look at how in him we obtain inheritance. Again, in him, singular, no one else. We obtain inheritance. This inheritance is salvation through Christ. Looking at verses 11 and 12. In him we also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. What is his will? The gospel. That we obey the gospel. Which means what? We obey his words. We obey his commands. And we know full well, as we all have probably talked about at some point, when we hear, see that word predestined, people have some different ideas about that, don't they? They say, well, the Bible says that we were somewhat predestined to be saved or somewhat predestined to be lost. Is that really what the Apostle Paul just said? Let's look again at verse 11. He says, In him, that is where? In Christ, also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined. What is predestined? He's not talking about those who are predestined to be saved. He's talking about the inheritance that was predetermined to what? To go to a certain group of individuals, which are who? The obedient. The saved are not predetermined. The inheritance is predetermined. And the, those who have obeyed the gospel, well, what? They will receive that inheritance. In Him also we have, we have obtained an inheritance being predetermined according to the purpose of Him. He works all things according to, to the counsel of His will, that we who first trusted in Christ... This means we understood it better as being those who trusted and are still trusting in Him. A continual action. Those who trusted long ago and, and the, those individuals are still trusting in Him. What? Should be praised, should be to the praise of His glory. Those who still trust in Christ will be praised of His glory. That is, those who are what? Are continuing to be faithful to God. Those who have obeyed and continue to obey. Sometimes we say obey and then obeying. A continual action. They trusted and they're still trusting. What happens? God, what? He is, he is to the, they are to the praise of His glory. They are acceptable in His sight because of their trust in Him. And because of their trust in Him, they get to have a part of the inheritance that has been predetermined for those who are faithful to God. No individual has ever been predetermined to have heaven as their home, and no individual has ever been predetermined to not have heaven as their home. Nowhere from Genesis to Revelation do we find individuals being pre-saved or pre-condemned, because that's really what it boils down to. 
If you're pre-saved, you can do nothing that will take it away from you. If you can be pre-condemned, you can't do anything about it, might as well be a heathen. When you start asking people, how do you know which one you are, well, that's where the, that's where the water gets even muddier, right? Instead, it's much more clear when we look at the Bible and consider what he's talking about instead. You put away those things that have been passed down for so long, and we find that God has predetermined that those who are faithful to Him will receive this inheritance that is salvation, that is heaven, as their home. Some lessons for us today, which is going to bring us back to Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3. Some lessons for us today. We must remember that true blessings come from God. I say true because do you agree there's some people today who count some weird things as blessings? They have a very weird concept about blessings. They, you know, some people sometimes it seems like they would think the idea of a blessing is they're able to get their car filled up. Well, that sure is nice, but that's not a blessing. We're talking about spiritual blessings. We're talking about true blessings, blessings that actually matter, benefits that actually make a difference. And those things that make a difference are those spiritual blessings, those spiritual benefits. We find that true blessings come from God. Going back to Ephesians chapter 1, looking at verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why does he say that? Because he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. We find that the spiritual blessings of verse 3 are made clear in the verses we've already talked about, isn't it? Redemption, forgiveness, inheritance, all those things are part of those spiritual blessings he mentions back here in verse 3. Who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Does that leave room for God to hold back if he says every spiritual blessing? Remember, this is the Apostle Paul speaking. He's the same one who said they did not shun and declare the whole counsel of God. He didn't hold anything back when it came to preaching the gospel. God doesn't hold anything back when it comes to blessings. Should we hold anything back today? No. If we hold back from God just a little, friends, all those spiritual blessings become, they are placed in jeopardy. God does not hold back when it comes to loving us. God does not hold back when it comes to blessing us. And we should not hold back when it comes to being faithful to Him. All these incredible blessings can be found only in Christ. The heavenly place is a reference to where the Christian abides. A place that we know heaven is going to be the place where the Christian abides. But the spiritual blessings only rest in the Christian who, who is living as he ought to be living. The one who is in Christ. There in verse 3. We find, as we continue looking, thinking about some of these lessons for us, true blessings come from God. We can say true blessings only come from God. It doesn't mean we don't have great things in life that we're not thankful for. We are blessed. We are thankful for our children. We are thankful for our friends. But we're talking about spiritual things. Those best spiritual things come from God. I'm not saying our friends cannot be of spiritual benefit to us, helping us understand the Scriptures and things such as that at various times. Those are no doubt very good. People can help us become better Christians, and that is good as well. But those blessings that surpass all others only come from Christ. Our friends can help us, but they cannot redeem us. Only God can do that. Our friends can help us, but they cannot save us. Only God can do that. Our friends can help us, but they can't give us an eternal inheritance. Only God can do that. 
You see the difference? Some are no doubt very good and helpful, but some stand far out and far above any others. And those belong to us, but only in Christ. Looking at verses 4 through 6 of Ephesians chapter 1, we find reward for obedience was predetermined by God. What was predetermined? Reward was predetermined. We also can say that punishment was predetermined, wasn't it? Not those who are going to be punished, but the punishment that was going to happen to those who did disobey. Those who did rebel against God. God has determined that those who are, who are His will be holy and without blame before Him. Looking at Ephesians chapter 1, looking at verse 4. Just as He chose us and Him before the foundation of the world. Again, what is He talking about? Chose us and Him. Who's the us? The Christian. He chose what the Christians want through me, those who are in Christ. The non-Christian will not be in Christ. He's not saying I predetermined He's going to be in me because that would defeat Joshua's purpose of saying, choose for yourself this day whom you're going to serve, right? That would defeat the purpose of Christ coming to earth and seeking and saving the lost if it's all been predetermined. Then why did He come in the first place? See, being predetermined to be saved or lost does not make sense. It doesn't fit the Bible. It doesn't fit God's plan for man's salvation. God does not want someone who's been predetermined to be obedient. He wants someone who chooses to be obedient. Think about this for a moment. I know there's some cultures who, I don't know if they still do this, but some used to, they would have a range of marriages over the years in different cultures. And to each their own, I guess. Let me ask you this. Would you rather have your spouse predetermined or would you rather choose your spouse for yourself? You probably want to choose, right? We want to choose. God wants us to be be chosen. He He wants to be chosen, not predetermined for us. He wants those who determine for themselves are going to follow Him. Just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. What should we do before Him? We should be holy and without blame, that is blameless, before Him in love. Those who follow God must be what? They must be holy. They must be blameless, which means they're not sinless, but you can't hold anything against them. Blameless means you make, when you make mistakes, you correct them. Holy being what? We are to be holy before God. We are to be holy before the world. We don't live like the world. We live like God wants us to live. Before Him in love, there in verse 5. It should be verse 4, rather. So God has determined that those who are His will be holy and without blame before Him. Looking at verse 5. Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ. Who is the us He's talking about? The Christian. The Christian is going to be called what? The sons of God. The sons and daughters of God, right? He's not talking about predetermining people to be saved or lost. We know that doesn't fit. Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will. He has predetermined what? Those who obey Him are going to be called His sons and daughters. Think about this for a moment. Israel was God's chosen people. And even they were not predetermined to be saved. God's chosen people. And they rebelled almost from day one, right? Problems left and right. But those who obeyed, 
Those who strove to live blameless before God became possessions of God, right? That is, they became those who were followers of God. Looking at verse uh, 5 here, he says, According to the good pleasure of His will. It was God's will that we become sons and daughters of His. How we do that, he says in verse 5, But Jesus Christ, we come to God. Through Christ. In Christ. Looking at verse 6. And to, the, and to the praise of the glory of His grace, by which He made us accepted in the beloved, to the grace of the glory of His grace, excuse me, to, to the praise of the glory of His grace, rather, by which He made us accepted in the beloved. Well, so what does He do? He says, to the praise of the glory of His grace, praising what? God's grace, God's mercy, by which He made us accepted in the beloved. Keep in mind, if we're predetermined, then we don't need to be made accepted, right? So if we have to be made accepted, we must not be predetermined. So how does He make us accepted? Through the blood of His Son. Made us be accepted in the beloved to the praise of the glory of His grace, by which He made us accepted in the beloved. He makes us accepted to Him, acceptable to God, by what? Through the blood of His Son. We are made acceptable in the eyes of God. Paul makes it very clear to those at Ephesus that the most important blessings of all spiritual blessings are in Christ. Where we need to be, where our mind needs to be, is on heavenly things. The world is so very distracting. And I, I want to say that I'm, I'm not saying I'm not distracted by it. I'm not saying it's only you. I'm saying it's very distracting to everyone, including me. All the things we have on television distracting us, all the things we have on our phones and our devices, on the Internet, all those things are very distracting. They can cause us to lose our focus and we begin to forget what is most important in this life. And it's getting to heaven. That's the most important thing. If we fail to get to heaven, nothing else matters. And all, all around, nothing else matters anyway. If we can't get to heaven, then we have failed in this life. So what must we do? We must remember where those spiritual blessings are. And one of those spiritual blessings is salvation. But how do we obtain these blessings? How do we gain these benefits? We put on Christ in baptism. Having obeyed the gospel, right? We talked on that a little bit this morning towards in the Bible class. We, what do we do? We hear the word of God. We believe it. We obey it. We repent. We are baptized. And when we are baptized, Galatians 3, verse 26 and 27, we put on Christ and we become sons and daughters of God. But until we do that, we will never have heaven as our home. Until we do that, we will never have redemption. We'll never have forgiveness. We'll never have that inheritance that's waiting for the faithful. We'll never have any of those things. We will have missed all those spiritual blessings, all those spiritual benefits we will have missed if we have not put on Christ in baptism. And not because someone else wants us to, but because we know it is a necessity. You know, until, you know, no matter how bad we want someone to obey the gospel, until they realize they need to obey it, there's not really a whole lot we can do about it. Because we cannot make someone do 
what they need to do, right? I mean, let's think about this for a second. As parents, we know what our children need to do, definitely in most situations, right? Number one, they need to listen to us, right? And they need to do what we're telling them to do, many times for safety's sake, right? But how many times do they, do they disobey until they finally click, oh, I can really listen to them because that is right? It's the same way as those who want to be saved until they realize, I need to obey, and until it finally clicks, no matter how hard we try, we cannot force them to do what they need to do. But that does not mean that we have to give up. We pray for them, we try to encourage them, and we try to be there when they are ready. It may not be us, but so long as they obey the gospel, it doesn't matter if it's us or not. How do we obtain these blessings? The same way they did in the time of the apostles. By obedience to the gospel. What did the apostle Peter preach in Acts 2, the first gospel sermon on the day of Pentecost there about the church? As it just began, we call it sometimes the first gospel sermon. What did he preach? Salvation in Christ. That's what he preached. And those who obeyed, the Bible says, were added to what? The church, which is the body of Christ. If we want to have these spiritual blessings, we want to enjoy all these spiritual benefits, this redemption, this forgiveness, the salvation, this inheritance of having heaven as their home, all those things, if we want that, we have to act. We cannot sit back and say, well, when I'm ready, because we know how that worked out for Felix. We know how that worked out for many men who, who would walk away from God. You know, in Acts 2, on the day of Pentecost, there wasn't just 3,000 people there. Everybody did not obey on that day. No doubt many of them did, but many of them also walked away. Probably one of the most discouraging chapters, or excuse me, discouraging verses in the Bible is John 6 and verse 66. When Christ tells them, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, which means unless you're part of me, is what he's talking about. He says, you can what? You cannot be my disciple? The Bible says, and many of them walked, turned away and walked with him no more, right? They walked with him no more. The source of every spiritual blessing, and they literally, physically walked away. We cannot do that. If we want to have heaven as our home, we want to avoid hell. If you think earth is bad, friends, it can get a whole lot worse. I don't mean the situation here can get a whole lot worse. We know that hell is a place that's so awful. It's, it's, it's described in very short areas in the Bible because the, the horrendousness of it all cannot even be perceived by our minds. If we want to avoid a place like that, we better obey the gospel because the day is coming when it will be too late. This morning, as you think about these things, we can help you or encourage you in any way. You can come forward now. Let's get everybody standing and sing the song that's been selected. What can pray?